Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. wildest NFL draft you've seen in recent years amidst all the drama and the chaos multiple teams selected a running back and today we got 12 that caught our eye for fantasy football though not all in good ways we will tell you all about why right here on the breakout football podcast on believe network sponsored by link me i'm zach cohen of the draft network with the benevolence cole topham of chargers wire 12 running backs endless fantasy impact we got it all right here but first my man cole what's good Honestly, I'm just like taking a deep breath at this point in time because, man, the draft is always a blitz and you have to have like that that week long refresh period where you have to, you know, kind of look back on the work and also get excited about all the new destinations these prospects are headed towards, you know, about to take place in in uh, in OTAs and, and train camp. And we'll see how they get integrated into their into their offenses at this point in time. But obviously the running backs and what they bring to the table are always you know, the, the cream of the crop, the top of the discussion at this point in time. And obviously their value changes a lot now that we know which teams that they're a part of. Mm-hmm. And perhaps no running back's value changes more than the first running back off the board. Right? Like I said, we got 12 or mostly going in order with how they were picked, but that RB1, much too no one's surprise was yeah. Brees Hall to the New York Jets four picks into the second round and already the cries around Michael Carter's role and a, a rejuvenated passing attack are all surrounding Hall's situation but at the end of the day he just might be too good to keep off the field like what is Brees Hall's fantasy outlook now that he is officially a New York Jet no I totally agree with you I don't know how you can keep him off the field he's young versatile and basically in line for a larger role as a rookie pretty much immediately as another piece to benefit Zach Wilson in the offense. That's something encouraging that was, we saw from the jets and how aggressive they were in this draft and building up this offense around their young quarterback and setting, you know, the, you know, the main guy at the helm to succeed with all these new playmakers and and young pieces that um, hopefully will continue some of that continuity from the offense um, from now until, you know, the rest of Zach Wilson's time in, in New York. So I'm really excited to see what Brees Hall can do in this offense, especially the opportunity, this backfield, you know, he can easily penetrate this, right. He can, he can delve into the carries um, and especially the passes out of the backfield, I think is what everyone wants to key on. Right with these with these running backs is a do they have a receiving ability and b how much of those targets are they going to command in the offense and i think Brees hall has a great chance in his first year to command a considerable amount of those targets and that's why he's rb1 because he he has the opportunity for a lot of carries and he's going to field a large um you know dominant portion of that receiving work 
Yeah, it's no secret that in fantasy, you need one of two things at the running back position. You need volume of carries and you need receiving work. And looking at how the Jets backfield operated last year, it's tricky because that's just one year with one group of players. You know, Robert Sala, offensive coordinator, uh, Mike LaFleur, both coming from San Francisco, kind of running that backfield similarly to how they did when they were with the Niners. But it does open up the question is, are they prepared to make Brees Hall a workhorse back? Will Michael Carter still be taking significant touches? Like what are the roles of who are going to be the third down backs? Can that be Brees Hall? And look, last year, Carter averaged 13.4 touches a game. He had eight games of 10 plus carries, nine of three plus targets. That's not the greatest stat line. Uh, so if Brees Hall immediately comes in and takes that it's like okay he's a better prospect than carter but it does limit his ceiling a little bit especially when you think that the jets were one of the past heaviest teams in football they passed at the second highest rate in the league but then it just gets back to the question of is that this year's offense because past success is only an indicator of potential future success it's not exactly what is going to happen and the Brees hall question right now simply put is are they going to make him in every down back? They did spend a second round pick on him, whereas Carter was a fourth round pick. So it does make me think they like Hall more. Uh, and th- this is interesting to me too, because my friend Tyler uh, showed me this picture the other day of running backs taken in a first or second round <clears throat> within the past few years. And they all meet a certain threshold. They all had a 40 time that was 4.5 or quicker, uh, a BMI of 30 or greater so that's like how their body their mass index and then college target share so how often they were targeted in college and every single one of them except for two saw 10 or more targets on average or a target share of greater than 10 percent. sorry here are those running backs that meet that threshold travis Etienne, deandre swift jonathan taylor cam Akers, saquon barkley dalvin cook joe mixon zeke elliott todd Gurley. And Rashad Penny, and now Brees Hall. That is a pretty darn good group of backs to be included with. Again, it doesn't really answer the question of how he's going to be used. So I think there's still a possibility that he isn't, you know, uh, a 20 plus carry back, which would obviously limit his fantasy upside. But the talent, the production, the size, it's all there to be pretty darn good, especially when compared with Michael Carter. So he was RB1. RB2 off the board five picks later. He's already been polarizing draft Twitter. I don't know if you've seen this. Kenneth Walker to the Seahawks. He just feels like a Seahawk. It just feels like an appropriate pick. But how are you valuing him in fantasy? Honestly, a little bit lower than I feel like his projected, um, you know, value at this point in time. Because with Kenneth Walker, it's more of like, okay, we know this guy is a boots on the ground, hard nose runner, going to get the hard, um, you know, hard to get yards. And that's why I feel like this, he is a perfect Seahawk because he will do, you know, all the dirty work for them and, and move the chains and just be that reliable presence on the ground. But through the air, uh, Kenneth Walker, he didn't really prove himself to be a reliable receiver in college. He didn't even prove himself to be, you know, all that much of a dynamic receiver in college. And especially when you factor in Chris Carson, you know, with the with the Seahawks, it, I just don't think there's there's just a lot of opportunity or potential for Walker to explode in this offense as as a pass catcher. 
Um, and, you know, and on third down as well, his role there has just been a big question mark because he isn't that enthusiastic about pass blocking duties either. So that just limits him to those first two downs. And, um, you know, with the with the Seahawks embarking on a new identity and offense, we don't really know what that's going to look like. But you figure like the ground game is going to have to bail out Drew Locke at some point this season. Right. In in terms of just keeping the ball away from the, the opposing team and, and running out the clock. And I think that's what the Seahawks brought Walker to do um, here. Yeah, they're looking to establish the run. And I think the thing that makes me like Walker overhaul is that. Yes, there's a possibility that both can be great, but I think there's a stronger possibility that Walker is more of Seattle's offense than Hall is of New York's. The Jets have done everything to build around Zach Wilson to make the passing game, you know, a pivotal part of that offense as you know, again, you look at how pass heavy they were last season, the weapons they added this season. Seattle's gone the complete opposite direction, and it starts with having Drew Locke or Geno Smith as your starting quarterback, which makes me think that Pete Carroll's finally going to go back to a run-first football team in his entire uh, – in the past decade, sorry, with Russell Wilson at quarterback. The Seahawks were never, never in the top half of teams that threw the ball the most. They were always – balanced or a little more run heavy than they probably should have been now with Kenneth Walker a guy who can be that 20 plus carry back a game it does make me think this could be a situation similar to like Jonathan Taylor and the Colts and in no way am I saying Walker is immediately going to be the next Jonathan Taylor but the similarities are striking coming out of college now again when Taylor did come out of college he did to get a much better offensive situation. Walker doesn't have the luxury of that solid offensive line. Uh, yeah. Adding, yeah. You know, I think that's probably the biggest flaw in any Taylor uh, Walker comparisons, but at least Seattle did try to upgrade their offensive line and Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, whether that happens successfully, we don't know, but I think there's a real shot. Walker just becomes that Seattle offense. They remain, uh, they get a little more run heavy and they remain in the bottom portion of the league in plays run, which are always better for running backs because it just slows down the pace when passing picks it up a bit more. So I really like Walker in Seattle. I think that's, he's honestly in my RB one. Clearly the biggest caveat here is that he was never a proven receiver in college. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had 26 catches in his last season. Uh, Kenneth Walker had either 13 or 15, but I think you get the point just because he's not a proven receiver. Doesn't mean he can't be a reliable fantasy receiver at least to an extent so i actually like walker better than hall in terms of situation and possibility that he's a top running back in fantasy but then again i'm not over the moon really about any of these and especially with the next one coming up i'm a big james cook fan i thought he was great but this situation in buffalo at least a lot left to be desired i certainly have my thoughts on it but i'll give you the floor first james cook to buffalo like what are we thinking here I'm thinking instant impact, really, you know, not too great because James Cook in in college, he was basically relegated to that third down receiving back role. And that's what he, you know, kind of flourished in in college. And the Bills saw that and they're like, well, we don't really like to run the ball all that much. So we might as well employ our running backs in the pass catching game. Let's get one of the best backs 
you know, in, in the country at catching the football on our team so we can actually utilize that area of the field. And so that's what they're getting in James Cook. They're not getting an elite rusher, a, a slasher type running back that's, you know, going to get yards after contact through the tackles. No, they're getting somebody that can actually produce out of the backfield and run, you know, crisp routes to cross over linebackers. So that's what I see James Cook doing in this offense. Um, and in terms of instant impact, Devin Singletary is obviously still going to have a presence, at least for this year. But after this year, when Singletary doesn't get re-signed and Duke Johnson is probably out of here as well, James Cook, you know, with one year under his belt and hopefully some receiving reps, you know, we'll see what type of rusher he can be. Um, but I, I definitely expect him to contribute in the in the passing game, at least, you know, to in a in a timeshare degree this season. I don't know if he'll ever be a type of running back that you can start each week. Maybe not start at all. I expect him to make a dent too. Cause like you said, he's a proven receiver and that's something that can be so valuable in Buffalo's passing offense. What limits the ceiling for me is the same dance that so many people have done the past couple of years with Zach Moss, with Devin Singletary is like, well, he could be the best running back in a high octane offense. And you look at what Devin Singletary did down the stretch of last season in the final six games, he was the overall RB two behind Rashad Penny, who again, might be another thorn in Kenneth Walker's side, who knows, uh, but back to cook, there is no chance that even if cook is given full reins to that backfield, he's an every down back. There is no chance that Buffalo is going to completely rewire this offense to favor Cook. This is a pass first and will continue to be a pass first offense unless Josh Allen regresses to a level we have probably never seen in our lifetimes. You know, so as much as I love Cook and I do think there's value for him to be uh, a, a nice maybe flex receiving back in redraft maybe a guy definitely a guy you want to take in best ball but I wouldn't have him as like my third or fourth running back by any means. It's just the upside is so limited, but luckily his abilities in an offense that could favor some of those abilities on say third downs or in passing down situations. I think that provides him a solid floor. I'm just, again, not over the moon about cook. And I really don't think he's going to become the next big thing in fantasy barring a drastic unforeseen shift in how Buffalo operates even though they've been operating so well. Uh, yeah. He's, he's definitely a dart throw at this point in time. And it's basically just how much you bet on the the Bills, you know, offensive staff really, you know, opening opening up their minds and saying, oh, we can really, you know, provide a presence in the running back receiving game. Um, so Josh Allen, you know, isn't just going four verticals every every single play. Um, so that's basically what it comes down to. So James Cook, not somebody I'm super high on early on, uh, but if you believe in the Bills and you believe in the potency of that offense then yeah, he's worth a shot. If, if you truly do believe in that, mm -hmm. the best wide receivers come from the best offenses, at least in fantasy, but the best fantasy running backs don't always come from the best offenses. You look at the guys who have been consistently the best running backs in fantasy, you know, Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, there was Alvin Kamara, Zeke Elliott for a bit. They were their offenses. Cook will never be the Buffalo Bills offense again, unless something drastic changes. So I totally agree with you. Uh, moving on to your guy from Arizona state, Rashad white RB four pick. Did you see that coming? He was a third round pick, like great fit. We'll get to that, that in a second, but Rashad white RB four. That's that was a bit surprising to me. Right. I don't know. 
I, I, I haven't watched him the last two years. It was really wasn't surprising to me at all. And especially having talked to him during this draft process and, um, you know, just the way he approaches, you know, game film and, and taking care of his body and especially the route that he took from, you know, no offers out of high school to Juco to um, finally earning his D1 shot at Arizona state and then taking that opportunity to the, to the NFL. Um, you know, I don't think I, I've basically learned at this point in time to just not count Rashad White out. And so to see him go to the Bucks, where, you know, Leonard Fournette is an established force there. But I kind of view Rashad White as as a similar back to Leonard Fournette. They're basically, um, you know, obviously White has a lot more to prove at this point in time, but they're kind of carbon copies of each other. These big bodied uh, receiving not not receiving backs, but big body running backs that can catch out of the backfield um, and and their slasher type running backs. And I think Rashad White was kind of brought here to be, you know, that that one two punch change of pace back without without sacrificing something that Fournette offers when he's on the field. And I think White is going to be a very, very popular handcuff for for Leonard Fournette, because if something happens to Fournette's health, then Rashad White can step right in and he's basically, you know, essentially the same player. And so the Bucs don't really have to, you know, change their, their running back touches or their offensive philosophy. Um, if, if something were to happen to Fournette at this point in his career. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you brought up Fournette's receiving abilities because that, that stigma around him is that he so isn't, but the last year in Tampa Bay, he's shown that all those early career doubters of how he can't catch the football and he's just a big back like an Adrian Peterson type, he's really flipped that narrative on its head. He had the third most catchers among running backs last season, which on the surface may limit what White could potentially offer Tampa Bay, but I'm totally with you. He's a great fit. Uh, if Fournette did go down, White could immediately slot in and be the backup that they were hoping Ronald Jones could be once upon a time. And White is still a proven pass catcher. So at bare minimum, I think there's a good chance that he can just take over that third down role. I know they still have Gio Bernard, who sometimes played that role last season but look you don't draft the running back in the third round and just immediately relegate him to the bench right that'd be like taking Keyshawn Vaughn early and just relegating him oh wait no they did that <laughs> uh but I, all all in all seriousness I like the fit a lot I think there's still a good opportunity for him to be a value in PPR you know maybe like a Naheem Hines type or uh ah who else you know I'm drawing a blank on so many late round guys who have just consistently made a living catching passes. And if that's what white does, I think there's a real chance he could do that. That's totally fine. Again, might not be a guy you can start every week, but in the right situation, especially in best ball leagues, that definitely adds some value as well. So Rashad white to the bucks, any final thoughts before we get to uh, perhaps the most surprising running back selection of the first three rounds. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't describe White as just like a receiver too. I think he's plenty competent on the ground, and and that's what I that's what I mean. Like so, Leonard Fournette signing what a three year deal in Tampa Bay definitely, you know, puts a cloud over exactly how much time Rashad is going to cut into this backfield, right? And exactly how many carries he's going to command every single game, especially when Leonard Fournette has been a pretty focal piece of the Bucks the last two seasons and obviously was very integral to that Super Bowl run and, you know, has really transformed himself since, uh, honestly, that, that one year in Jacksonville has just marred him in the eyes of, I feel like, fantasy managers because since then he's just been, he's been one of the most productive backs in football. 
So yeah, like like you said, the narrative that he can't catch passes was was pretty much eradicated this this past season. So what I'm trying to say is Rashad White is going to have to compete for touches in Tampa Bay. But I feel like um, the offensive philosophy with the Buccaneers and and just his his fit in this offense is what bodes well for his inevitable production. Moving along on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Network, sponsored by Link Me. I'm Zach Cohen. That's Cole Topham. And this was a surprising pick. Tyrion Davis Price from LSU, who tore up my Gators. I saw it in person happen in Death Valley at three touchdowns over 200 all purpose yards to wow. the Niners. And this was interesting I, for two reasons to me. One, looking at the talent on the board, Isaiah Spiller, Damian Pierce, Brian Robinson, all guys we're going to talk about coming up. But the fit is interesting to me because, you know, he, I think he's more of a power run guy and the Niners, you know, are one of the the champions of the outside zone run. That has been a staple of Kyle yeah. Shanahan's time in San Fran. And they go and take TDP, who is – almost assuredly going to be continuously called that in draft Twitter. I don't know how I just thought of that right now, uh, but it, it was an interesting selection, especially with how muddled the Niners backfield can get. And then it's so streaky at this point in time, there's no Niners running back that I'm ever confident in taking in a redraft in best ball for sure. But the price that TBP probably has right now, I haven't checked ADP today. I did a best ball draft um, a couple of days ago, and I honestly can't tell you where he went. I totally forgot. I'm just not over the moon about this one either. I don't know if he's not necessarily a great fit, but the situation, I don't know if he, I just don't know if he's more talented than Elijah Mitchell. Um, Heck, even Trey Sermon or Jermichael Hasty. Like there are those questions that linger. I don't know if he has the build or the prototype, the typical size and the athletic traits to become a consistent RB1 in an offense that really doesn't produce consistent RB1s in fantasy. So that, that's my opinion. What's yours on this pick? Yeah, I mean, I think it's natural for uh, fantasy football Twitter to overreact about Kyle Shanahan selecting a running back, but I feel like this was in the cards just based on the talent that needed to be replaced. And obviously Shanahan likes having a, a, a backfield with a lot of depth, right? A lot of players that he can ride with the hot hand with um, and just keep a fresh rotation in there. And I feel like Tyrion Davis-Price is going to – fulfill his role and and basically just not exceed it i think i i'm with you a lot of people a lot of it is going to be made of like oh the 49ers they reached for Tyrion davis price in round three you know pick 93 and I, i'm just not reading into that at like too much at all because mm-hmm. in my opinion like davis price wasn't really on my radar at the top of you know, the fantasy leaderboards heading into the draft. And I don't feel like his newfound situation, all that elevates him too much anyway. So, you know, if I wasn't high on Tyrion Davis price before the draft, why would I be after the draft, especially in the situation that like you've mentioned is known for being, you know, kind of streaky towards fantasy backs. That situation is a headache 
for fantasy managers. Absolute headache to deal with. Speaking of headaches to deal with, the Washington Commanders backfield right now. Antonio Gibson, re-signed J.D. McKissick, draft Brian Robinson, who I really liked out of Bama. Wasn't used too much, but five picks after TDP Robinson to the Commanders. In my notes, I have written the commies. Uh, I'll just probably won't continue using that nickname at least on air but how do we feel not just about robinson but maybe dipping into a little bit of antonio gibson's stock too seeing how frustrating his usage has been during his time with washington i don't know it, it it's a lose-lose <laughs> situation in my opinion um because obviously you've got mckissick staying who's going to retain his pass catching duties um you've got gibson as the lead back who isn't going to get as many pass catching duties because McKissick is there. And then you have Brian Robinson going to be cutting into touches um, and also fulfilling a third down role as probably one of the team's primary blockers um, for, for Carson Wentz, um, Sam Howell, whoever's going to be, you know, at, at quarterback this season. So I, I also hate this move because Brian Robinson is freaking old. Like, have you seen like the list of Alabama running backs that he's shared, um, you know, time with in the backfield? It's it, there's a, there's a lot of NFL names <laughs> in there right now. Um, so, yeah, like Brian Robinson, he's he's old, um, doesn't really offer too much like next level burst explosion stuff that you want transcendent traits you want to see from a running back in order for him to command, you know, a larger workload the second he steps foot in the league. And so to me, this is just a a mess for not only Brian Robinson, but for the rest of the backs in the backfield. I got nothing to add to that. That that was, that was perfect. As if you read my notes right off the screen, Uh, before we move along, we got one, two, three, four, a four B and five running backs left to talk about in their situations. We got to tell you about link me L I N K M E. It is not only one of the fastest growing social media networking apps in this earth but it's also a link sharing network you can have all of your content in one simple page i'm talking your tiktok twitter podcast your playstation codes uh literally anything and everything that screams you on the internet you can have on one page you get a fancy qr code to go with it somebody scans that qr code bang they have access to all your content it's also a great way to connect with people around the world grow your business grow your brand that's link me l-i-n-k-m-e our beloved sponsor all right moving along my guy Damian Pierce. I was with a bunch of uh, Gators fans when the pick was announced. Most of them also happen to be from South Florida and our Miami Dolphins fans. Very upset that Damian Pierce did not fall to Miami. I've been on the record saying that is my favorite fit for or one of my favorite fits for Pierce. But this situation in Houston, pretty darn juicy from a fantasy standpoint, right? Well, what's your reaction to Pierce landing with the Texans? Opportunity, I think, just jumps off the board right away because what he only has Rex Burkhead to compete with touches. All right, now they got Rex Burkhead, um, Marlon Mack, and I believe Royce Freeman is there too. Oh, yeah, those three backs they haven't proved anything in their careers already, hence why Pierce was drafted to see if they we can inject a little bit of explosion into that offense. Um, I, I actually really liked what the Texans did this draft, and especially Pierce is going to be running behind. Um, who I thought was the number one guard in the draft, Kenyon Green. 
Um, that's going to help, you know, open up some holes in the middle as well. And so I think Pierce lands in a, in a great situation, um, not in terms of like, like the Texans are a great, you know, organization or anything like that, but he's going to have opportunity, you know, when he, when he gets there to carve out a role for himself. And I think that's all you can ask for in a rookie running back that, you know, you're going to be eyeing in your, in your draft coming up here is what can this running back do for me immediately? And I think Damian Pierce has a, a great chance to contribute, um, you know, in, in the early weeks of the season and really cement, cement his role. Mm-hmm. Definitely the one knock on Pierce is that he's not great at anything aside from pass protection and special teams, which in itself makes him a great dynasty buy, because if you're great at those, you're going to have a long career in this league. It might not be super impactful in fantasy, but that means he's here to stay, which should provide him opportunity to contribute in the run game. As for Pierce's role in the run game, you kind of said it. Like, are we really banking on Rex Burkhead and Marlon Mack to fend off a younger hungrier running back in Pierce. And that's not to say that Marlon Mack can't immediately bounce back from the past couple seasons marred with injury and a lack of opportunity in Indianapolis. But is he really that guy now? Burkhead might be taking the third down rolls, you know, catching passes. Sure, Mack might get the early down rolls. But look, they drafted Pierce for a reason in the fourth round. And that's that's pretty hefty capital, especially when you are the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh running back off the board. I would imagine Houston has a plan for Pierce. And it's not just to block Davis Mills or, or to uh, block kicks or run down the field on kickoffs so I really like this opportunity again I don't know if Pierce can be an every down back the argument of course is that we didn't see that happen at UF but any Gator fan can tell you as of course I can tell you that's not entirely his fault that blame can be placed on the inabilities of former Gators coach Dan Mullen to properly put the right people on the field. So immediately that argument, I'm scrapping that argument. Pierce is well-rounded enough where he can be in every down back. I just don't know how likely it'll be considering he doesn't have much room to really grow in certain areas at minimum short yardage back goal line back. That can have some relevancy in best ball redraft caps the ceiling a bit, but he can catch passes. He didn't do it a lot. He can make an impact in the Texans backfield probably one of my favorite value picks just based on the potential opportunity alone. So I like Pierce a lot. This next one's interesting. We talked about one Georgia running back already and James cook Zamir white for the Raiders, the eighth running back off the board went nearly a round and a half after cook middle of the fourth round. And already most people focusing not on white, but on Josh Jacobs. So how does White's addition to the Raiders backfield change, not just his own outlook, but potentially Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake's. So by August, we will be talking about Zamir White as the most overrated rookie running back. Wow. In fantasy. Wow. Coming in hot. I'm calling this right now. People have been calling for Josh Jacobs head for the past two seasons, just because maybe not Josh Jacobs, but the Raiders offensive philosophy and how they use Josh Jacobs, mm-hmm. um, because this is a guy who uh, caught passes, you know, in, in college and he, he didn't really have a workhorse role at all, but, you know, he was a role player. And I think the Raiders, you know, believe they can develop Zamir White's potential, but they also see 
Josh Jacobs's contract dwindling down. They probably don't like, probably didn't like paying him his first round big bucks over the last three years. And so Josh Jacobs is a likely candidate to, you know, not get his contract renewed. And so who better to take over the reins than your young rookie running back, you know, out of Georgia. And so I think the opportunity for Zamir White in the following seasons from Jacob's departure from, from Las Vegas is exciting. I don't know if I expect him to really, you know, slide into the backfield immediately and be a huge presence in his rookie season, especially since they signed so many running backs this offseason, Brandon Bolden uh, and, and Amir Abdullah, most notably. Um, but I feel like Zamir White, like a lot of fantasy managers are going to see that backfield and be like, Zamir White can come in, be an instant presence and start challenging Josh Jacobs for the role and eventually win it and force Jacobs out of Las Vegas. And so I think that is a scenario a lot of fantasy managers are going to be uh, locking in on over the summer. And we're going to see his ADP absolutely explode. He's going to be overdrafted for sure. He's not going to produce at his value this season. But in the following seasons, he might be worth the pick um, mm-hmm. if we're looking at it from a dynasty perspective. Especially when you consider this is a new offense. Josh McDaniels comes in. General mm-hmm. Manager Dave Ziegler comes in from New England. We don't know how they value their running backs. It does seem like most teams are starting to uh, trend more towards a timeshare in their backfield, whether it's between two, three, or even a four different guys all doing different things we're really starting to move away from the bell cow idea of a running back and i would be shocked if josh jacobs does get that coveted bell cow role this year looking at how new england operates with their running backs i doubt mcdaniel's philosophy is going to differ that much from how new england's philosophy has been implemented in the past few seasons totally with you white dynasty buy for sure i'd hop on that train right now I don't know, especially with how uh, little opportunity there might be in the passing game for the running backs with the addition of one Devontae Adams. So I'm totally with you. I'm not buying white. Another yeah, player. The last, um, the, the last Patriots running back to be a bell cow was LeGarrette Blunt. And if you look at <laughs> Zemir White, he looks nothing like LeGarrette Blunt. So I wouldn't expect. Nobody any, looks like no, LeGarrette Blunt. Yeah, I wouldn't expect like a possession rusher to like Zamir White to emerge as a possession rusher in his second season. Um, he'll be in some sort of timeshare during his career, but it's it's whether he can maximize his time on the field, maximize his touches, and of course the receiving game. That's what we're looking at here um, for his potential in the Raiders offense. Only three more situations left to talk about. We'll get to the Patriots quickly in a second. But first, maybe the biggest name among this running back group to fall was Isaiah Spiller, who was picked one picked after White by the Chargers. Does that immediately crush his fantasy value? Or is there room for him to make an impact with one Austin Eckler still in the backfield? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it hurts Eckler more than like it helps Spiller because they're essentially like it's the same thing with white and and um or sorry Rashad White and and Leonard Fournette but Isaiah Spiller and and Austin Eckler like Eckler is is more athletic than Spiller obviously has cemented himself as um a safety blanket for Justin Herbert um I mean Austin Eckler he's just got a lot going for him right now and Isaiah Spiller he his draft stock dropped he didn't test well 
Um, people, you know, seem to really like read into and, and overthink his film. And that is what caused, you know, a multitude of running backs to be picked over him. And the Chargers, I think it's an interesting pick because um, the Chargers are kind of a team that prioritize athleticism above all else. And here you are drafting a player who, you know, didn't take every testing, you know, measurable box. Right. So it's just kind of a strange fit for me. And I, I'm just wondering if if the Chargers do believe in Isaiah Spiller and, and, and they believe in their ability to, to maximize his abilities, but his abilities reflect somebody that's already signed to the backfield long term. So I, I'm just kind of skeptical in, mm-hmm. in how I should value Spiller at this point in time. Yeah, I'm of the same uh, thinking there, especially when you look at how Austin Eckler was used in LA, like definitely one of the best receiving backs we've seen over the past three, four years. Uh, And especially when it comes to a fantasy standpoint, Justin Jackson had a couple games where he looked good, but he ever really eat into Eckler's role. Not really. Josh Kelly, Larry Roundtree. Have they done that? Not really. Will they do it? I don't know. So I, I think it's more of a, they just took the best player available type thing. I really can't see Spiller impacting Eckler too much of anything. It just puts a damper on Spiller's potential in dynasty. So I think Eckler's fine. I was really hoping Spiller would be placed in a good situation, perhaps like in Atlanta or Houston, but seems like he doesn't have much to offer in LA. Uh, The Patriots, we got two teams left. We'll talk about the Patriots now did take two running backs. Don't need to spend too much time on this. I just find it interesting that once again, Bill Belichick took a running back in the fourth round. He took Damian Harris in the third, Ramondre Stevenson in the fourth, James White way back when in the fourth, Pierre Strong recently in the fourth, followed that up with Kevin Harris two rounds later. So he took White or he took Strong and Harris this draft to go with another Harris, uh, Stevenson, and then J.J. Taylor, who actually had at least one good game in his career. I'm, I'm never going to touch this Patriots backfield. I said last year, I like the value <laughs> Damian Harris has, uh, but after watching Bill Belichick continue to run his running backs into the ground, and I don't mean that in a good way, I'm just so out on every single person in this backfield, uh, including, you know, Matt Jones, because I guess technically he's in the backfield sometimes. So, but either way, point is, no, no, thank you, Damian Harris. No, thank you, Ramondre Stevenson. Pierre Strong, I liked you. I don't like you anymore. This is a no-go for me. Yeah, I mean, there's just too many mouths to feed, and you don't know when the mouths are going to get fed. Uh, there's just so many variables to this equation. You never know how Belichick is going to utilize his backfield, um, and especially, you know, Mac Jones is, is, is still – this is still a, a pass-dominant offense as well. And so I guess, like, the – the running backs that are going to rise to the surface are those with receiving abilities. Um, I don't know too much about, you know, how strong, strong and Harris are in in that (laughs) aspect, but their potential is certainly capped by just the flow and nature of, Mm -hmm. of new England's scheme. Luckily we can end this show with a positive fit because we kind of spent the last few players. uh, I don't want to say like, nitpicking i'm just very very down on those fits but this last fit i love it 
Tyler Algier to the Atlanta Falcons. Talk about a prime opportunity. I mean, he enters a running back room that is Damian Williams, Kadri Allison, and then I guess we can throw Cordero Patterson in there. We don't know exactly what Patterson's role will be, but looking at the lack of wide receivers in Atlanta, I think it's safe to assume he could be used more out wide than he was last season. Again, not saying he will be, it's just a, a good possibility, which can open up Tyler Algier to be the face of this Falcons run game that may be rejuvenated now with Marcus Mariota replacing Matt Ryan. So I like this fit. I could go on and on about why I like Algier in fantasy football this season, but I'll, I'll give you the floor to end the show. What do you think about Algier in Atlanta? Um, I'm skeptical of him. Mostly, like I'm not, I'm not going to be spending a, a premium draft pick on Algier, I guess, especially with how terrible <laughs> this Falcons offense looks like it's going to be. And obviously, yeah, you have some bright spots, Kyle Pitts, you know, Drake London. I feel like he's going to be, you know, possession receiver pretty early on in his career. Uh, a lot of jump balls in the end zone for him, you know, from Marcus Mariota. Um, but I, I kind of expect the Falcons to crash and burn this season at, at some point. Like there, there's going to be major obstacles for that offense to hurdle. Um, and, you know, I'm not really sure like Tyler Algier is like the, the star to, um, you know, make the rain go away. So I, I think his, his instant impact, like he at first has to crack the backfield and then he has to be like a major spark in the backfield um, to, to really be on my radar and I'm not really expecting that from him uh, for the season. It's interesting because I don't think Algier is good enough or athletic enough to be a top fantasy running back, but I mm -hmm. still love him as a value. And you can kind of go back to like how James Robinson was like, he was immediately the best of a very bad looking backfield and they just, ran him into the ground in a positive way. They, they literally gave him the ball almost every single play. And I think that's something that Algier could do uh, when you consider how run heavy Atlanta might get this season. Look, Mariota isn't going to be passing as much as Matt Ryan was last season. Right. It's just not how it works. Arthur Smith comes from a very run heavy scheme. And I'm not saying that this Atlanta offense is suddenly going to transform into what Tennessee has done with Derrick Henry. Algier is not going to be the next Derrick Henry. Let's get that out of the way but the possibility that he's getting 15, 16 plus carries a game, it seems kind of realistic. So I think that alone makes me love his value. No, I'm not taking him over Hall or Walker. I'm also not going to make him one of my top two or maybe even top three running backs on my roster, but this value alone, I like it. It's nice to see finally a team that needs a running back draft one that can take over that backfield uh so i think those are the running backs next week we'll have the wide receivers we're working on a special guest so we'll keep people out of the loop for that one but until then this has been the breakout football podcast on the believe network sponsored by link me i am zach cohen of the draft network he is cole topham of chargers wire and cole you know how it works, man. I mean, you got any other thoughts? Let's send it home. Let's let's, let's send it home in the great words of uh, Steve Goldstein. Let's go home, baby. So any any final thoughts before we depart and get ready for our wide receiver show next week? It's just good to see teams attach to these prospects. So now we can actually, uh, you know, the, the speculation is going to continue, but at least it's focused speculation at this point in time. <laughs> 
um, because I feel like the, the fantasy community can go really off the rails in terms of draft mm-hmm. scouting um, situations for, for these prospects um, and, and start, you know, ranking all of these, all of these players before they've even drafted, you know, been, been drafted and, and started, offseason or sorry started preseason training activities so you know it's nice to see Brees Hall with the with the Jets and Kenneth Walker you know them primed for opportunities with their teams and you know hopefully we've given you some some darts to throw on in your uh in your drafts this season and, and hopefully you have an early favorite that you can take a chance on so receivers back next week stay locked everybody we're not going away anytime soon Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.